great Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh, yeah. Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. Welcome to the Man Cave Chronicles. I want to talk about hip hop. Why? Why does every rapper now sound like his balls haven't dropped yet? Have you guys noticed? You know what I mean? Like a lot of us grew up in the late '80s, early '90s, where like rappers sounded like men. Like Dr. Dre would get on the track like, "Yeah, hell yeah!" Like scary. But now I can't tell who is. I overdose on confidence. What the? You got to overdose on some HGH, some protein, some weight gainer. Man up, young money. Like, every popular song on the radio sounds like a record is skipping. Like, I don't know who is who. It's like, now she want a photo, but she want another air day, 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 air day. Check out that ass, 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 ass. Are you autistic? What the fuck is the matter with you? I just want Ice Cube back. That's all I want. And I don't want the Are We There Yet Ice Cube. I'm talking about the, the Raiders jersey choke-a-bitch Ice Cube. That's what I want. Yeah. It's just, it was fun back then. Rap was fun. Because like every song was the same. It's like, yeah, I got cars and I got hoes. And I was like, well, so did the Beach Boys. They weren't dicks about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, rappers could have sex and escalate anytime they want. Beach Boys were having orgies in the back of a little deuce coupe in the 60s. Fucking gangster. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I love when hardcore rappers step it up a notch in songs. They're like, yeah, I'm a killer. I got a whole group of killers. And I'm like, oh, the Beach Boys hung out with Charles Manson. So, uh, <laughs> they recorded songs together. That is hanging with a killer. So my apologies to, like, Rick Ross and the game, but unless you put, like, Casey Anthony on a mixtape, I'm not impressed. You know what I'm saying? What's going on, Johnny? What's going on? I'm sitting in the L.A. fitness parking lot outside of Louisville, Kentucky, and it's a complete downpour, so I'm glad. And I lost my keys right before this, so I'm really glad I actually found them. And I'm, I'm wet, very wet, but at least I found my car keys, and now I'm sitting in the car, so doing pretty good. There you go. Uh, so uh, let's start a little uh, background story. Uh, let's tell the listeners where you're from. I grew up in Northampton, Pennsylvania, which is, uh, you know, a tiny little town outside of Allentown, Pennsylvania. So we're basically on the border of New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, how was it growing up there? I mean, it was, it was cool. It, you know, small town, uh, probably about 10 to 50,000 people. I want to say now it's maybe 20 to 25,000. Um, not exactly diverse, which is one of the reasons I left. But overall, though, it was, you know, you pretty typical uh, – Pleasantville, I guess. Um, you know, we'd play sports nonstop outside, and we'd go get food at night. And you know, there wasn't a lot to do per se. You know, you had your normal, <laughs> all your basic stuff. Had your Rita's water ice, the whole deal. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. I mean, I, I still talked to uh, a really tight group of guys from high school. Um, actually, I, I still contact a lot of people from back home. You know, I do a holiday show every year, and a lot of people still come out. Um, they really supported the album when it came out. So yeah, I, I stayed very close to Northampton. And I always make sure I mention Northampton at least once um, on you know on both albums. So yeah, what um, so I read online that you were a big basketball uh, fan, and you also played basketball in high school. 
kind of. I mean, I was a massive basketball fan for sure. I actually didn't even play in high school. I played in college. I walked on my college team, and I was the last guy off the bench. Uh, scored 10 career points with a career high of four. And one game when we uh, we were up by 40 points, and so I actually played for like eight minutes, which was a record for me. And so I got four points there, but I still say I'm the greatest three-point shooter in the history of my college because I was two for three in my career. But for some reason, they don't count only three attempts, which I remind them every year with a tweet to our athletic department that I should be in the record books, but they haven't budged on that one yet. Yeah, And you also wanted to be the next Charles Barkley, right? Oh, yeah. This is my hero growing up. Yeah. How, um, for, for all the major teams? Not to know. Uh, diehard Sixers and Phillies, but I actually am a Kansas City Chiefs fan for football. So I just, uh, for some reason, when I was a kid, I didn't quite, I don't know, I didn't take to the Eagles for some reason. Yeah. Do you like the Phillies for baseball? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, yes, I do. Yeah. And they've had a their string of bad luck, huh? I wouldn't say it's bad luck. I'd say it's a lot of mismanagement over the last number of years. They just haven't, uh, they haven't made any good signings, and some of the draft picks haven't quite worked out. But, you know, I'd like to think that they're, they're doing the Houston Astros plan, so hopefully over the next couple of years, you know, it'll start to improve. A lot like the Sixers have, you know, trust the process is something I've been on board with the whole time, and, you know, it looks like it's finally going to pay off, so we'll, yeah. we'll find out. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm from Massachusetts, so, you know, I'm a Celtics fan and a Red Sox fan, and the Patriots, obviously. Uh, so life is pretty good for you. Yeah, life's been pretty good for football, at least. I mean, the Red Sox, shit, they won two World Series the past decade. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, you can't complain about that. I mean, I mean I'm not crazy nope. about the last two years, but yeah, what are you going to do? You can't win every year. You could be a Philly fan and still be waiting for a lot of things. So. Yeah, you're right. So uh, how did you get into uh, stand-up comedy? Uh, I, I've loved it my whole life. I mean, I, I grew up as a fat kid, so, you know, if you don't develop a sense of humor – you know, when you're a bit, when you're fat growing up, you kind of, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And so I became fascinated with comedy at a young age. And then when the show in Living Color went on the air, that just completely like changed everything for me. Like to this day, it's still my favorite show of all time. Honestly, there's no show that I don't think is ever going to affect me like in Living Color did. And so, you know, I loved comedy my whole life, but then, you know, you get older and like I said, growing up in Pennsylvania, entertainment's not really an option. It's nothing that you, it's something you don't really even think about because you don't know how we could possibly do it. Even in Philadelphia, it's not like a, there's one comedy club in Philly. I mean, it, there wasn't a lot happening. So it wasn't until I moved to California with a couple of buddies from high school just because we wanted to move. And about six months in, I decided to, I went through a weird breakup and I just decided to, you know, take a comedy class. And the Irvine Improv was offering classes at the time. And the guy who was teaching it, had just done Comedy Central's Premium Blend, and he was repped by a pretty powerful management company. He was touring with, like, major headliners. So he was, you know, a legit, really good comic. And, uh, yeah, and that was about 12 years ago. So it's one of those things where the first year I kind of floated around and didn't know what I was doing and if I wanted to do it. But then after the second year, I kind of, you know, I, I said, I'm either going to take this seriously or I'm just going to not do it. Yeah. And I'm so stubborn that when I decide to do something, I, I kind of go all out. Yeah, but you got your hands mixed in almost everything. You know, you're doing your stand up, and then you're—I noticed, you know—you're filming movies and shows, and then you're doing the wrestling. Yep, <laughs> uh, trying try to do as much stuff as possible. Because I mean, I know people who love just one thing, and that's 
I guess that kind of makes life easier in a way, but I really enjoy so many different things. And that's one of the reasons I work as hard as I do is because I want to be good at everything, yeah. you know, cause you never know what opportunities are going to, are going to come up. Yeah. So, um, like the reason I'm in Kentucky right now is because I'm filming a movie tomorrow. It's an indie feature that's already won eight script awards. And I know the, the two writers and, and I got involved, you know, behind the scenes and I'm doing a small role in the film just cause I believe in the film. The script is amazing. And it's about a really, uh, touchy subject that I think can help people. And so, yeah, I just, I enjoy doing a lot of different things and I, I try to be good at all of them because you never know yeah. what opportunities are going to, you know, arise. Yeah. Well, a couple months ago you were also filming something else too, weren't you? With like, you were dressed like a cop. Oh yeah. I, I did something <laughs> dressed like a cop. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I, I filmed the job for the history. Well, a and the history channel. Uh, that it should have been actually out already. Unfortunately, it got pushed back. And so I'm kind of in a waiting pattern. I'm anxiously waiting to see what they do with it because it was a lot of fun and, you know, a lot of people would have saw it and I think a lot of people would have enjoyed it. But that's, you know, that's the business. Is unfortunately, things don't always go as planned. You, you shoot something that you think is great and then for one reason or another, you know, it gets pushed back and that's kind of where we're at right yeah. now. Yeah, it's like a famous thing with... Um... Like with comedians that, you know, they, they shoot a sitcom and, you know, they film like a couple episodes and it never gets picked up. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, look, when it comes to, you know, pilots, only 10% of pilots get picked up, which is an astounding, you know, astoundingly low number. And the business now is harder than ever, especially for television, because, you know, everything is going digital. So no networks are getting ratings like they used to, and they can't figure out how to fix it. And honestly, they're not going to fix it because the digital age is here. And that's why you're starting to see so many more original projects that are going on the internet, which I think is also great because it is providing a lot more work for people. It's just, you really have to be on your A game and you have to really keep your eyes open for opportunities because they're all over, but they're also very easy to miss. It's a, it's a very strange time right now for sure. Yeah. I mean, Netflix has everything right now. Yeah, Netflix and Amazon, they're they are really trying to corner the market. Netflix is essentially tossing all their money in, in, into a pot and hoping it all comes back. And I hope it does because, look, Netflix has given a lot of opportunities for comics. I mean, there's exactly. a new comedy special at least one a week. And, you know, I have a good friend who filmed the special on his own and a year and a half later got it picked up by Netflix. His name is Dwayne Perkins. He's amazing. One of my favorite people, one of my favorite comics – and I went to the night he filmed it, and uh, he did it all on his own. You know, I had his own team, and they filmed it, <clears throat> really good audio. And all yeah. of a sudden, a year and a half later, it's on Netflix, which is a huge deal when you do a special on your own and, and it gets picked up. That, that goes to show how good he is. Yeah. Is that uh, one, of your next, one of your next goals, to try to film a special? God, man, I would, dude, that'd be so fun. I mean... It's weird. I was just told by someone the other day in the business that now things are going, things are really cyclical. And now apparently the trend is to do albums first that lead into specials. Apparently that's what's happening, which I had no clue. I just know I wanted to put out the most creative album of the year. And that's why it took me six months to finish. Yeah. And so, and also no one was batting down my door to do a special. I mean, I'd like to do one someday, but for me, I grew up loving comedy albums, especially variety ones. And when I met the producer that I worked with, we hit it off so well. And I told him the ideas that I wanted. He said, Hey man, we could do that. I said, really? He's like, yeah, we could do it. And so 
like I said, over a period of six months, we just collaborated any free time we had. And it, it's the coolest thing I've ever done. And, and I'm so proud of it. The feedback's been great. And, um, if, you know, if it leads to something great, but if not, it's, it's still something that I'm proud to show people and, and I'm proud to have them listen to. And hopefully, you know, it'll make the rounds on Sirius XM as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. And don't forget how many people can say that a comedy album on top 10 in iTunes. Actually, it was top 10 billboard. Bill, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. iTunes, I kind of got screwed because uh, the distribution company that I used to release it, they made a mistake and they put me under the rap and hip hop category That's right. on iTunes. That's right. I remember you messaged so, me about that. <laughs> yeah. So I debuted, I forget where I was, somewhere in the top 25 on the rap charts. Like I was like next to Tupac's greatest hits and it was the... The silliest thing ever. Like I, I took so many different screenshots of the charts because it was hard to believe. But luckily, Billboard encompasses everything. Billboard encompasses Amazon, Google Play, iTunes, streaming. And so when I found out I was the top 10 on the Billboard charts, I was completely shocked because if you look at the charts, it's all major labels, it's all major releases. It's mostly all famous comedians or famous comic acts like, you know, Lonely Island and Steel Panther and like on, when I was on Billboard, Steel Panther was right above me and Lonely Island was just above them. So yeah. to have an independent release go into the Billboard Top 10, I'm, you know, incredibly grateful to everyone that supported it. And, and you know, word of mouth, you know, really means a lot, I guess. Yeah. The Man Cave Chronicles on Twitter at the MCC Podcast. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Brian Padone here, founder of Quiet Punch. When I'm not listening to the Man Cave Chronicles, you can catch me filming one of my live workouts on quietpunch.com. Check it out today. That's quietpunch.com. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so goddamn comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, kid, I've seen you've been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. CBS guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with the baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God. Is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. This is Adam Nutter. And this is Greg Trout. And we're Nerds with Words. And you are listening to the BS Podcast Network. Um. Can you tell us about the first time you uh, you performed? Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> our class graduation. A lot of people have like horror stories. Mine was easy because there were seven people in our comedy class, most of whom lived in Orange County. I was new to Orange County, so I didn't really have that many people there. But there was a crowd of about 240 people, and they were like, they're the friendliest crowd of all time. So you have seven people who are doing stand-up for the first time ever. And we're all terrible, but... At the time, you thought you were pretty good. I still have the DVD from it from, you know, a little over 12 years ago. So uh, it, it was pretty bad. I mean, I, I tried watching old stuff of me from 10 years ago. and It's, it's painful, yeah. real painful. But, but at least you stuck to it. Like I said, my goal is to try stand-up, and I'll probably go on stage and bomb in five minutes and be terrified or shit my pants or something, you know? Yeah, but everyone does it. I, I still have sets that I think are god-awful. Like, there's, there's some nights where... I have so much going on during the day. I jump up on stage with the wrong kind of energy and 
it, it the crowds can crowds can pick up on that. And so if it if it's and don't get me wrong, sometimes crowds are just lame. But I never blame them. I always blame myself. I still have sets where I just feel are just terrible. And then I, after I get off stage, I realize, oh, I could have done a lot differently to make that better. And I just didn't do it in the moment. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's like one of your favorite comics growing up? Or even now, like, do you have like your favorite comic? Hmm. Best in the world to me is Bill Burr, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, not only is he just an incredible comic he's such a good dude like he's he's helped out my i work with a charity foundation called regular hero and we've done a couple comedy shows and he's been kind enough to headline two of them and we sold out both shows and he donated all the ticket sales he knows regular hero gives the money directly to kids and families who need money who are fighting cancer and stuff like that and so you know for bill to take the time to do that and to donate you know tickets are 25 dollars and we're we're having three to four hundred people there, and he donates all the money to us. That just goes to show the kind of person that he is. And so he's my favorite comic for a number of reasons. Just for you know, not only he, I think he really is the best in the world, but you'd be surprised how many well-known comedians say no to doing charity shows, even when they know the money is going directly to people who need it. Yeah. Where Bill, he he knows us and he trusts us, and. For him to do it, it was great. But there's so many good comics out there. You know, I mentioned Dwayne Perkins. Um, Ian Bag pops to mind. If gosh, if you don't, if you haven't seen Ian Bag live, you absolutely need to. Um, Tom Segura is incredible. Uh, Aaron Foley is so good. Rachel Feinstein is one of my favorite humans and favorite comics. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great ones out there. But my favorites are generally people I've worked with that I've been able to watch live and, and open for them. Those are. You know, usually my favorites. Yeah, I, I watched Ian Bag on uh, that sh- was what was that show that was on, on NBC for a while with the comics when they were trying out Last Comic Standing. Last Comic Standing, the one with Jay Moore started at first. Well, yeah, I mean, watching Ian on Last Comic Standing was like Ian on a two out of a ten. Like that's that's network television. Like you need to see him live to really get the full effect of how great he is. Yeah. But he still did well. Yeah, we we've spoken a few times when I first started up the podcast for him to come on, so we're still trying to work something out. So, nice. Yeah. Um so um where's your favorite place to perform? Uh yeah, I got to say the Brea Improv. It's where I recorded my album and it's it's kind of become my home club. You know, I I started off in Orange County in, in Irvine, but what I love about Brea is it's almost like it's almost like not even a city. It's just kind of on the outskirts of Orange County, and it's it's very diverse. Like the crowds there are a little bit of everybody, and those are my favorite kind of crowds because that's what comedy's for. It's for people of all walks of life to get together and to laugh at each other and to laugh at stuff that you're not supposed to laugh at. That's what comedy's all about, especially in today's climate where you know society is in such disarray. You know, and I've noticed it. Crowds are a lot more uptight now over the past nine months. And I'm I'm not putting any blame on any one person in particular, but there is a big difference in society. And, and when you can have a great show with a great crowd and, and people come up and say thank you afterwards, you know, that means a lot. So I, I'd have to say the Bray Improv, because I, I love the diversity of it. It's a little bit of every, everything. Yeah. And you've, you've toured around the country too, right? Yeah. I mean, not as much as I'd like to, but... Um, you know, uh, that's that's all in due time. But yeah, I've been able to, to hop around a little bit. Yeah. Um, who uh, have you opened for anybody that has been like your favorite comic, or do you usually just 
like just do shows like on your own pretty much for sure um i've opened a bunch for brad williams who's another one of my favorite comics and favorite people um yeah, he's fun actually going to his wedding in like i'm going to his wedding in two weeks um he's just amazing i mean he you talk about commanding a crowd and He's already done two specials, and I feel like just now he's coming into his own. Like he, it's he's he's fantastic, and and we have a blast together. Um, I, I mentioned Rachel Feinstein; I get to open for her uh, quite a bit, and she's so clever and such a great person. You know, um, we have a lot of fun there. And offhand, I'm trying to think of oh yeah, Craig Shoemaker. I open for him quite a bit, and he's another Philly guy. Yeah, so. We just get along great. We talk about the Sixers nonstop, <laughs> and then we do comedy. It's a, uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah. So, um, do you have any uh, any uh, wild, crazy stories uh, while you're out in LA performing in Orange County? Um, crazy stories from LA. I'm trying to think offhand. Uh, keep in mind, I just got off a red eye flight and then drove 95 miles. So my and, and I lost my keys in the gym when they were in my bag the whole time. So I'm a little bit on about, about a quarter of my break. I'm trying to think of uh, of any crazy story. I know. Let's let's move on. I know one will come to me before the show's over. All right, all right. Uh, let's talk about how did you go? Uh, I'm guessing you're a big wrestling fan. Oh yeah. Uh, who? Um, let's talk about a little bit of that. Uh, who's uh, who's one? Of your, who's one? Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Or do you have one? I mean, it, it's hard to pick one because, gosh, you know, it's so subjective and. There's so many incredible performers over the years, but I think a lot of times we're most affected when we're a kid. You know, that's that's where we are most impressionable. And I always knew early on I was I was always a talker. I kind of had to be, and so I was into the guys who really knew how to talk, and that's one of the reasons why I think Jake Roberts is probably if I had to choose one favorite of all, I'd probably have to go with him because. You know, not only was he amazing in the ring, not only did he have my favorite finishing move of all time, DDT is still the best. Like, the fact that the DDT has become not a finisher drives me completely crazy. Yeah. Um, but what's great about him is, you know, in an era of of people who would just scream in every promo, he's a guy who could do everything. He, he could even be barely audible. He would whisper, and you would want to get up close to your TV to, to hear what he was saying because, like, he, he was so real. Yeah. In what he was saying, you could tell he really was a tortured soul. And obviously, you know, it was proven to be in his life that he really did have a rough go. And, you know, thank God for DD, you know, DDP to, to help save him because now he's really being able to enjoy himself. Yeah. I was, uh, I was a guest on a podcast last night. They asked me the exact same question about, like, who's your favorite wrestler? And I was like, every few years, I think my answer has changed. Really? Yeah, only I think it's only because you know, like, well, I'm more like I'm more old school. Like, if you ask me to watch wrestling now, I can't really get into it. Like, I'll watch the mm. I'll watch the big events, you know, like WrestleMania and SummerSlam and stuff like that. But I'm more like old school. I like the the Ric Flair era, you know, Hogan or Stone Cold. Sure. Yeah, or you know, back in the '80s, which was fantastic. I think it was. I mean. Everything changes. I really think we're in a golden era of wrestling right now because, you know, there's a lot of drawbacks to social media and the internet because there's a lot of negativity out there. But at the same time, because of the internet and social media, you have so many companies that are thriving. It's like you look at, you know, the company that I'm with, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, you know, yeah. we're about to score a deal. With, we actually we already did 
in October, we're going to start on 110 CW stations on Saturday mornings across the country. And this is after we've been on the air for seven years, 320 some episodes regionally. And, you know, we're on the fight TV app uh, worldwide, but to get 110 CW stations, that is like astronomically bigger than anything we've ever had. And Saturday morning, that's what we, that's what we grew up watching Saturday morning wrestling. So it's a trip. And actually Jake, the snake was actually part of uh, an event of ours three years ago. So we have our own version of the red uh, Royal rumble called the red carpet rumble. And Jake was actually an entrant in that three years ago. So I actually got to call him in the rumble, which was a complete trip. I mean, yeah, but yeah, there's so many other companies like wrestle circus comes to mind. They're, they're out of Austin, Texas. Yeah. I mean, they're under a year old, and they're selling out every event, and they're so intelligent, they put their events live on Twitch. So they're getting thousands of people from all over the world watching these events live that just drums up even more interest. It's so smart. There's so many companies that are doing that, and it's awesome to see because, you know, it, it gives more work to people, and it gives more opportunities. Yeah, I mean, the indie scene is getting really huge now, which is, oh, yeah. which is great for the sport. Oh, big time. I mean, you think about it. There's guys, you know, choosing to stay on the independent scene now because they enjoy their lifestyle and they enjoy the living they're making, you know. And so, um, and also WWE is a lot more open to signing stars from the independent scene. Whereas 10 years ago, would never happen. Even five years ago, it was still a little iffy. But now, you know, if, if you prove yourself, you have a chance to get signed and and that's a great thing. I mean, it's 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 pretty cool to see. And, and uh, you know, as, as a commentator, I'm just trying to, you know, stay as busy as possible as well. Yeah. How did you uh, How did you uh, get that gig? Did you like know people, or you just went had to go like try out for that? No. Um, I got contacted by David Marquez, who's the owner of uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Which back then it was NWA Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. It was part of the NWA. Um, I had, I had hosted a project that his main camera operator worked on and him and I hit it off. And I remember we were talking about wrestling. And so he contacted me and said, Hey, you know, Jeremy said that you'd be a great fit for this. I looked at your footage. I think you are too. I need someone to do interviews. And, uh, you know, he said, we're starting this TV show up. I said, okay, that's amazing. And, uh, did interviews for a couple of years and, you know, in ring outside the ring backstage. And then I'd say about four years ago, the two guys who did commentary were not going to be able to make one of our tapings. Cause we'll, we'll tape a few episodes, you know, at each taping. Yeah. Uh, much like you'll see at like NXT and stuff like that. And so he called me on a Thursday night. He said, uh, well, you're doing commentary on Sunday. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> I was like, okay. And immediately fell in love with it. And ever since then I've, I've kind of cemented myself there at the table. And, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to do commentary for a few other promotions as well. And, um, that's that's kind of what I'm going for is trying to, to get out there as much as possible because it's really it's really fun. I mean to be able to I because I respect I respect what they do in the ring so much that it's my job to tell the story to the best of my ability and to make it even better. Like that's it, it's really fun to do that. Yeah. Have you uh, gotten involved with any wrestlers? As far as like, in, you know, in like storylines? Yeah. No, I mean. There, there was one promotion a couple years ago that that brought me in as like their, like the fake like new owner, but unfortunately I was out of town for like three events in a row and then they ended up closing the company. They reopened it since and they're doing pretty well, but 
No, I don't. As a commentator, I really don't think that's our place. I mean, if there's a specific storyline that someone would bring, then sure. But I, I really don't think this. I, I just don't think the audience cares to see commentators get in crazy storylines. Like you look at, you know, like, like uh, recently on Impact, yeah. uh, Jeremy Borash and, and Josh Matthews had a feud, and it had its very entertaining moments, and the payoff match was hilarious. But when they were screaming at each other back and forth, it got to be a little bit much, you know, during the matches. And so it's a fine line. I, I, I love trying new things, but at the same time, though, like, you know, I, I think commentators are there to to help the storyline along. I don't necessarily think they, they need to be involved in storylines. Unless, of course, you're someone like Paul Heyman who has done everything. Yeah. You know, he did commentary, and now he's, like, the greatest talker in the history of everything. Yeah. <laughs> so. what, are, what are your thoughts on Impact? Are you a fan of it? Of course, yeah. I mean, I, I support every company out there. I have a lot of friends at Impact. Um, you know, I've I haven't I mean, I've, I've interviewed a bunch of them, and they, you know, we've had them as guests on Capadres, and yeah. um, you know, I, they've had a lot. They've dealt with a lot of stuff, especially yeah. over the past year. But I, I really hope they've righted the ship. And like I said, I'm, I'm friends with people on the roster, and it's a really talented roster. Yeah. And they do a great job considering they have to tape, you know, a lot of episodes at once. And so, you know, I, I would just like people to, there's a lot of people who haven't watched in a long time. I would just like to give them, you know, tell people to give them a shot. Yeah. You know, you want, if you, you should want every company to thrive. You really should. Yeah. And, you know, the internet likes to get scathing at times, but, but no, I, I root for everybody for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Usually if I don't watch it or if I don't DVR it, I'll next day. Before I get to work, I'll jump online just to see what happened, if they have any highlights and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, what do you think of NXT? Do you like NXT? Of course, yeah. Um, I'm actually going to TakeOver this weekend. I'll, I'm going from uh, Ohio to New York on Saturday just for one night, and then I have to go to Missouri on Sunday for a, a college gig. But, um, yeah, I mean, NXT, like I said, a lot of, a lot of people in excuse me, a lot of friends are there, you know, yeah. Nigel McGinnis and I have been friends for seven years. Um, you know, Thea Trinidad, we were really close. We went to the Middle East together two years ago um, on a tour that Ken Anderson and I created called Ringside Salute, where yeah. we all went over and, and met our troops and hung out with them, hopped around to different countries, and, and Thea was a part of that. And it's so great to see that she's finally gotten her opportunity and, you know, she's going to knock it out of the park. And so, you know, I like NXT. I think it's it, it it's it is it's supposed to be developmental, which is cool. Like you have established stars, but then it also allows people to get their first TV experience. And at that point, it's really up to the talent. Do you sink or do you swim? And that's what's good about it. You know, you got to give people a shot, and if they do great, yeah. great. But yeah. if they don't, you know, then that's the opportunity they had. Yeah, you mentioned Ken Anderson. He was he was like one of my favorites for a few years ago when he was in. Uh... Well, when he was in WWE, plus when he went to the, when he went to Impact, mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite human beings, man. That guy, we like I said, we created the Ringside Salute tour together. Um, we met on a podcast actually, and at the time we were both wearing Wounded Warrior bracelets. And I said, "Oh man, I I do stuff with Wounded Warrior." He goes, "Me too," and we just started talking. And I said, "You know, I just did a comedy tour in the Middle East for the troops." And he goes, "God, man, I would love to go back to the Middle East and, and talk to our troops." And I said, well, the guy that did the comedy tour with me, he loves wrestling, and we hit it off. 
do you want me to see if he would let us put a tour together? He's like, yes. And I talked to the guy and I said, here's my idea. We go over a bunch of wrestlers. I'll MC the tour. I'll bring everyone out. We'll make it as theatrical as possible. Entry music, the whole deal. And then we just spend every day with the troops. And then we do, you know, a performance at night, a Q and a photos, meet and greet. Yeah. And immediately he goes, Oh my God, I love that. If you could put that tour together, we will make it happen. So I, yeah. I hit up Ken. I said, guess what? <laughs> We're doing a tour. Who, who should we do? It automatically he goes. Shane Helms. Shane Helms has to be on this tour. So Shane's been a main. And then of course we built the whole thing around Sergeant Chris Melendez, who is a wounded warrior and managed to become a wrestling star on one leg. Yeah. Um, trained with the Dudleys, was with Impact, and so the four of us have been the mainstay on every tour. And then uh, Austin Aries and Thea Trinidad were on the first one, and then last year we had Scotty Fuhati and Melina. <laughs> so it was uh, we're working on. Uh, one for this year. We're we're a little bit delayed because of uh, Armed Forces Entertainment and what they have going on, but yeah. we're definitely trying to get another one for sure. Yeah, I mean that's a great that's a great uh, thing that you guys do for uh, for the troops. Uh, it, it's so I can't even explain how great it is. I mean, to spend the time with them, you know, we don't realize how important it is to them. And I'm friends with so many veterans, and they say, "Look, I know you guys think it's." not that big of a deal, but it really is when we're over there for months at a time and things don't always look that positive, you know, it, it meant a lot for us to go over there and shoot. I, I would do it twice a year if I could, it's just hard to get those everyone scheduled together. And, yeah. but yeah, we're, we're trying really hard. I, I was just talking to Ken just the other day and we're, we're waiting. We're in, we're very, very, very anxious to get a new one. That's for sure. Yeah. So. How long do you guys usually go there for like a week? Let me think. The first one was nine days, and then the, the second one, I want to say, was 11. It was just over a year. As a matter of fact, a year ago today, we were still over in the Middle East. Yeah. 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 yeah I hope you guys can do it every year. That's, trust me. We're, we want to. It's, right now, we're just waiting on AFE to, you know, to let us know. Yeah. All right. Well, um, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners? Um, no, it's been fun. I mean, I, I would say if you like comedy, if you like creative albums, um, I really think you'll enjoy my album. It's, it's 71 minutes. Um, it's relatively clean and it's a little bit of everything. It's, it's centered around a fictional late night talk show. And aside from stand up, it includes commercials, a movie trailer, an infomercial, five songs, an intro and outro. And it kind of follows a through line all the way. And like I said, it, it, it took us six months to record it. And, um, you know, the feedback has been incredible. I'm very grateful for everyone that's gotten it. So if, if, you, if you're willing to spend a couple of bucks, I guarantee this is money well spent. You're going to love it on car trips. You're going to love it in the gym. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of it. And it's called Johnny LaQuasto Presents. Johnny LaQuasto's Johnny LaQuasto. And the album is even weirder than the title. So uh, I think yeah. anyone that gets it, We'll really enjoy it. You just go to quastoalbum.com. It's Q-U-A-S-T-O album.com, and it has all the links, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, the whole deal. So uh, I think you'll uh, really enjoy it. Otherwise, uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, be on the lookout, coming to CW very soon. And I have the Wrestling and Padres Slamcast every week. Uh, we are at Compadres Show on social media. All right, and how can uh, the listeners find you? Twitter, Instagram? Oh, yeah, I'm on all that stuff. I'm uh, Jay Quasto, J-Q-U-A-S-T-O. All right. Well, I hope you had fun on the Man Cave show. 
Yeah, I, I don't have a man cave, so this is the closest thing I've ever had to one. I, I don't own anything. So once I actually own property, maybe I'll build myself one. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> you should see my. It's a it's a small little basement because you know I have a family upstairs and I have another, I have a boy on the way, so all my all my junk has moved downstairs. But hey, that's your spot, though. That's my that's, spot. That's okay. You're right. Well, thanks for you. I want to. I want to see a picture of that. Actually, I'll send you a picture. I'll send you. I got a picture of. Uh, I got a nice frame of the Rat Pack. Playing nice. playing pool, and I got a couple uh, sports memorabilia up, and that's about it. Well, you got to keep building it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've only been living in this house for three years, so they're still still doing stuff around. Oh, nice. You got time. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. I hope you come back on soon. Of course, man. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for everyone that, that listened. Oh, yeah. I mean, the album's great. Like I said, I bought it. I've listened to it. I was listening to it at work while I was at my desk doing work, and it's great. Thank you so much, man. That, that was my goal. Is, you know, if, when people hit me back and, and they thank me for the album, it's, you know, it, it's the best thing ever. Like, it's my thing is a lot of comics put out albums, and it's mostly if it's stand up start to finish that's great but to me if people are going to spend money on a product i want them to listen to it and say damn that dude put out maximum effort and he really put out a product that is worth a few bucks yeah and so i, I you know it came out exactly how i had hoped and so um yeah the feedback's really great yeah and i mean and it makes you feel good that you know you that you're getting good feedback that you were you that you that your album was great for sure. I mean, when people hit you up out of the blue and they, you know, they're really, because most comedy albums don't sound like this. Most people are just expecting introducing so-and-so and then stand-up start to finish. My album's not like that. Like, mine was really well thought out. Like, some of the commercials go in with the stand-up, the songs, the, the movie trailer. Like, it all kind of makes sense in a way, as much as an album like that can, as weird as it is. And so, um... Yeah, it really means a lot, so I'm very glad that's doing well. Well, thanks for coming on, and like I said, I hope you come back on in a few months. Sounds good. Oh, yeah. When I decided that I would bless the earth with a new album, I knew it couldn't be just any album. It had to be something special. It had to be something futuristic. It had to be something that nobody else would even think of doing. Hashtag confidence. Got an old minivan back when I'm blown out. Cassette tape deck to any lady, I'll shout. I got confidence. Got a button down shirt, top four undone. Handful of soap glow in my sweet man bun. I got confidence. Dented in red pump, three size too small. DJ Khaled! Khaled, this is my album. Go back to dancing with Rihanna.